there. You're listening to the Only Schoolers podcast. I am Gina Frosch, and hanging out here with me as always is my co-host, Kristen Edwards. At this point, I cannot even imagine where else I would be on a first or third Thursday. We are two years in on this gig, and it honestly just keeps getting better. That is so true. I mean, you'd think after two years we might have run out of things to say, but, you know, who are we kidding? We really never run out of things to say when it comes to homeschooling. And I liked how you slipped in the two years reference because we are indeed celebrating the second anniversary of our very first episode back in season one. Yes, that one dropped on April 2nd, 2020. And then the world kind of stopped right after that, but we kept talking about homeschool through it all. We have covered so many topics. Looking back at the user logs, I'd say our most popular episodes are still the Will It Count and Here's Looking at You Kid episodes. I think in part because new homeschoolers are always maybe hesitant to count things that don't look like traditional schools activities. And both of those episodes, along with our other episodes, are still available, even though we switched podcast hosts this season. We're still everywhere you might want to listen. Apple, iTunes, Spotify, just head to your podcast platform of choice. And while you're there, we'd love it if you hit the subscribe button. And it would be even better if you could leave us a happy five-star review. That would absolutely be a fantastic anniversary gift for the Only Only Schoolers podcast. Reviews help other people find us, and that will just keep our Only Schoolers community growing and growing. And speaking of anniversary gifts, here is our anniversary gift to you. Head on over to the Only Schoolers Etsy shop, and you'll find all of our listings are 15% off this anniversary month. So if you've been eyeing a tea time planner, now is the time to add it to your cart and hit checkout. Our anniversary sale ends April 30th, so stock up on the swag, and we'll drop a link to the shop in the show notes for you. One of our favorite things about podcasting, honestly, is the community that we're growing. So join us on Facebook for some interaction after the show. We've always got a quote from the most recent episode up there, and we just happen to pop in whatever funny memes catch our eye, too. We really enjoy connecting with you guys and sharing our experiences and ideas. Sometimes 30 minutes is not long enough to talk about it or you think about something afterwards, but we can keep that conversation going on Facebook or Instagram. So if there's ever anything you'd wish we'd explained a bit more or you have an insight of your own to share, your own experience to relate, well, drop us a line. You can find us at both places using our Only Schoolers tag. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. That is going to become a regular feature later on this spring. Just head over to our website at onlyschoolers.com and sign up under the About tab. And we have some other exciting news for later this month. The Only Schoolers have a book coming out on April 19th. It's entitled A Homeschool Vocabulary, A to Z with the Only Schoolers, and it will be available both in digital and print versions. The book collects all of the transcripts from our 2021 season, and I really got to say, after reading through all of them while I was putting the book together, there was some pretty amazing content, stories, ideas, homeschool parent empathy. So again, sign up for our mailing list at onlyschoolers.com, or you can go to onlyschoolers.substack.com, and we'll email you a reminder when the book is available for order. We are so excited about getting all of last season's insights into your hands. So then you can just highlight and mark up those pages to your heart's content. Or or maybe that's just me. I'd like to mark up my books like that. 
Anyway, this is probably a good time to tell all you listeners that the Only Schoolers podcast will be taking a break for the next couple of months. This is our next to the last episode. We're going to podcast through the rest of April, but that will give you guys plenty of time to grab the book and read it during our hiatus. We'll still be around on Facebook and Instagram during that time, and then we'll be back later in the summer with new episodes for the second half of season three. I know you mentioned in our five-minute episode last week that you and September are headed off for a Route 66 road trip during our break. Yes, and you'll be graduating your only. You just worked yourself out of a job, Gina. I know, right? There was this old commercial for the U.S. Army years ago with the slogan that joining the Army was, you know, the toughest job you'll ever love. With all due respect to the Army, no. The toughest job you will ever love is homeschool parent. Homeschooling has been the most incredible way to raise my only pancake. So if you are out there having a hard day, know that you are not alone. Every single homeschool parent has been there. Not all homeschool days are winners, but go ahead, soldier on. In the end, it is all so very worth it. Just keep going. Good advice for today. I mean, I kind of feel that way now about, you know, being hard, but being worth it. So I think the senioritis and emptiness, that is only going to intensify those emotions in a couple of years. But you know, this whole kind of graduation endings reflecting thing, it leads into what I wanted to talk about today, because I've been thinking, what kind of kids have we produced through this lifestyle? And this It came up because the other day I stumbled across a list of essay topics about homeschooling. Now, honestly, I felt most of them were sort of anti-homeschool, or at least they leaned toward the idea that there were major issues with this kind of lifestyle. Because if I have to see that socialization question one more time, I know, you know, we, along with every other homeschool parent I know, I mean, we have debunked the socialization myth here and there and time and time again, and we'll keep doing it until it goes away. But again, for the record, the kids are fine. They know how to talk to people. They have friends. Yes, and sometimes even more than one friend. But anyway, two of the questions on this list that caught my eye, and I thought to myself, hey, I would really love to explore these ideas a bit more with Gina because, you know, you're my favorite homeschool parent to shoot the breeze with. And I just knew if we put our heads together, we could probably have some pretty profound insights. Ooh, profound insights. I like it. It also sounds very philosophical. But honestly, when you've spent as much time thinking about homeschooling and then actually doing it as we have, you're bound to feel philosophical at some point in the whole process. (laughs) Exactly. So you want to be Socrates? Homeschooling does sort of fall into his idea that the more a person knows, the greater his or her ability to reason and make choices is. Or maybe you want to be John Locke because he emphasized the thought that we should acquire ideas through our experience of the world. Now, if that's not homeschooling, I don't know what is. Oh, absolutely. Love Socrates. Don't want to be Socrates. That whole hemlock ending was kind of a downer. (laughs) Um, But I do love a bit of a philosophical moment. So let's just do it. I know we've touched on these topics in one way or another before, but let's dive a little bit deeper today. So what are your specific questions? Okay. The first one was, do homeschool students lack a sense of self? I'm going to give you a moment to stop laughing. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Might need more than a minute here, but for real, I have yet to meet a homeschooled student who did not have a strong and valid sense of self. 
mood. I totally agree with you on that one. I mean, obviously we're biased, but the more I'm around homeschooled kids, the more apparent it is that they know exactly who they are and they like it. September was hanging out with her homeschool girl posse the other night. And when she got home, she said something like, oh, you know, we were eating pizza and we had this big discussion about how ridiculous Romeo and Juliet were. And I'm just laughing because sure, who doesn't bring up Shakespeare while hanging out with friends, little homeschool nerds? <laughs> and you know, that makes me so happy because I know the, some of those girls and a bunch of those kids are my Shakespeare kids. And I absolutely love that they are making those connections from the co-op classes and the discussion doesn't just stop there. They're talking about these things with friends. I love knowing my students are capable of joining in to the great conversation that people have been having about those plays over the centuries since Shakespeare first wrote them. Okay, enough for now, because I know we've got to get some thoughts about sense of self. So what's the next one? Okay, so the next one ties in nicely to the first one. Are homeschool kids more likely to have problems with motivation? Okay, definitely have thoughts about that one too. Me too. So let's start with the first question. Do homeschooled kids lack a sense of self? And go. No, and not just no, but absafragonlutely no. Homeschool kids, I know, aren't wasting time trying to be square pegs fitting into a round hole. I mean, most likely homeschool kids are the ones who are out there with like a chisel and hammer working on the pegboard so that whatever peg shape they happen to be, round hole, square hole, star shape, triangle, polygon, whatever, they're going to make it fit. They're going to change their world around them. If anything, I think homeschool kids sometimes have such a definite sense of self, it becomes disconcerting to people who aren't used to them. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. I've got the wood chips from the chisel on my floor at my house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it kind of reminds me of our books, books, books episode. I mentioned Mark Twain is on my desert island reading kit, but there's a line that we've all become super familiar with, but lots of people don't know it comes from Mark Twain. They think it's Captain America. So in Amazing Spider-Man 537, written by J. Michael Straczynski, Captain America paraphrases Mark Twain when he's talking to Peter Parker. So Mark Twain's original line is, it doesn't matter what the press says. It doesn't matter what the politicians or the mob say. It doesn't matter if the whole country decides that something is wrong, is something right. Republics are founded on one principle above all else, the requirement that we stand up for what we believe in, no matter the odds or consequences. When the mob and the press and the whole world tell you to move, your job is to plant yourself like a tree beside the river of truth and tell the whole world, no, you move. I think homeschool kids have deep roots because they've planted themselves alongside the river of truth, and that's the truth about themselves. That whole idea and quote, it just it's, makes me so goosebumpy. And you and I definitely have a couple of kids who tell the world, no, you move. That is something I actually think about quite a bit. The idea of that sense of self, it's you understanding the collective characteristics that define you. And that's everything from the way you look to the way you act and accepting and embracing all of it. As Twain said, plant yourself like a tree by your river of truth. It's not always easy to do either. I know that as an adult, it's been a lot of accepting before I could embrace it. Oh, exactly. I mean, I would definitely say that my sense of self has strengthened with age and also with my growing, uh, no, no time for that nonsense attitude. 
I think September's got a good grasp on what defines her, or at least she's got a good grasp at wanting to explore those bits and pieces that make her her. That's the art, it's the cats, it's her wicked sense of humor, it's the music, it's the capital M for Marvel. And, you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more underneath. When I see her doing her own thing, I know it's because homeschooling has given her the margin, the space to do that. And she's grown up seeing me not take much flack. So I think that sense of knowing she doesn't have to either is really strong with her. She is not going to allow herself to be defined by the girls at the center table in the cafeteria who wear pink on Wednesdays. Oh, same way. Wyatt is not going to allow himself to be defined by any snarky skating coach who says he doesn't look like a skater because he practices wearing plaid or Hawaiian button-up shirts. <laughs> That's just, wear what you want. And the other day, I asked her about it. I said, hey, Slick, do you think you would be who you are in public school? And... She said, honestly, probably not. Definitely not in public, maybe at home where no one could see me. So I think we're seeing that the better essay question is actually the inverse. Do traditionally school kids lack a strong sense of self? I think you're right. I mean, the thought that any kid, homeschooled, public schooled, whatever, is not given the opportunity to be their authentic self, it just saddens me. What kind of person are you going to be when you grow up if you've never had the opportunity to explore who you really are and be a lot of different versions of that self? If you don't know yourself, how can you contribute to the world in a meaningful way? Kicking it straight back to Socrates and know thyself. Exactly. I've got a kid who has walked into a restaurant in full cosplay without batting an eye. She admitted that if she were in traditional school, she'd think more about the reactions of others in that situation. But because she knows who she is, she just went full Loki and Loki variant. She is burdened with glorious purpose, right? <laughs> yeah, you know it. Now, I would not presume to declare that she has got herself totally figured out. She doesn't, and she'll be the first to admit that too. But she's got good instincts about what she wants to be and how she wants to be that person. Honestly, I think reading great literature has helped her explore that belief system and moral code. And there's nothing like a little Shakespeare or Tolkien to develop your sense of self. We actually just finished Fahrenheit 451, and her response was to make a bracelet charm that says, it was a pleasure to burn. Yep, that's my kid using 70-year-old science fiction quotes as fashion choices. <laughs> But that's her. She likes to think about all her options. She wants to decide how she wants to be perceived. Who does she want to be today? Who knows? She's not interested in following the crowd. It could be the neurodivergent in her. I don't know. It's just kind of the way she's always been. So neurodivergent, maybe only child, maybe simply someone who has been loved and accepted from the get-go. And again, remember, acceptance here does not mean there are no house rules. It means that who you are as a person, your likes, your dislikes, your preferences, all of those little idiosyncrasies are honored and celebrated and not castigated. Oh, I agree totally. Her clothes have always been the most obvious outward sign of her inner sense of self. When she was in fourth grade, she had a lot of clothes with cat themes, dresses, t-shirts, leggings, you name it, she rocked it. But some kids at Sunday school, I mean, of all places, decided to tease her about it. And they honestly, it was a bullying situation. They meowed during class. They were trying to get a rise out of her. But her reaction was amazing, especially when you consider it was fourth grade. First, she politely asked them to stop commenting on her clothes. 
And when that didn't help, she finally told me, if they think I'm going to stop wearing cats because of them, I won't. And she didn't until one day she did because that's what she decided she wanted. She was ready to try a different look and it had nothing to do with peer pressure. It was all about her sense of self. That is so much like Wyatt and his hats, the way he wears his hat. Um, he is utterly self-confident and I'm telling you people, total strangers will respond to that confidence by coming up to him, complimenting his hats, asking where he got this or that one. Wyatt and September choose a look because they like it, not because it's the latest style coming down the pike. And in doing so, they express their individuality, which kind of translates into a vibe of, I like who I am. And that is so glorious to see. And that in turn translates into a moral stand or an ethical belief that doesn't just follow along with the crowd. It's something that they've really thought about, really believe in, and it applies obviously to way more than just clothes. Oh, absolutely. It, the clothes is just the outer thing, but you can tell that that's, that's something they've thought about on the inside and that's being reflected. Okay, so you know I've recently become a huge Imagine Dragons fan, and that's because of September. And back in February, I went to my first rock concert in 30 years. And your ears are still recovering, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, you know it. So loud. But one of the reasons I love this group is their fierce determination to hold space for everyone who wants to be their authentic self. It's all in their lyrics, and I honestly think that's kind of what drew September to them in the first place. So they just released a new song a couple weeks ago. It's called Bones. It's a total earworm dance in your kitchen tune. But there's a few lines that I really love because it kind of sums up what we're saying here. Drown out those voices in the air, leaving the ones that never cared, picking up the pieces and building to the sky. I mean, boom, that's it. There's a kind of a line earlier in the song that talks about living a thousand million lives. And that's what September's done and is continuing to do. She's trying on these different ways of being. She's drowning out all the voices that don't care. And she's building herself up, her sense of herself. That work is only possible if you have that good sense of self to start with. And also if you're motivated to maintain it and kind of explore it as it changes throughout life, because that it does too. Oh, absolutely. I'm definitely not who I was even 10 years ago. And that is a perfect segue to the next lame essay topic, which was, are homeschool kids more likely to have problems with motivation? I'm so motivated to take on that question. <laughs> Go for it. What gets you fired up when you hear about homeschoolers and their supposed lack of motivation? Well, first off, I think it is utter hogwash. Homeschooled kids are absolutely some of the most motivated young people I know. I mean, my best case study is my kid who is super motivated. He is ready to take on the whole world all day, every day. And some people will say things like, well, but that's because why it's special. Okay, yes, he is special to me. He's my son. I'm crazy about him, but there is nothing oh so special about him. He wasn't a child prodigy. He's smart, but he's not freaky, super smart. He doesn't have a photographic memory. He's not the spelling bee champion. I mean, he's athletic. He's a great skater, but he's not Nathan Chin. He is very easygoing, but he is so definitely not a doormat. But he is the one who has been earning all of his own money since he was 12. He's the one who wanted a job. He's the kid who sets his alarm so he's showered, dressed, and ready to go at work before 6.30 every morning. I mean, he's the one who works his butt off to make connections and deals with his antiques business. And he's the one who is always scrambling to push forward to the next thing and the next thing and the next. 
So where do you think that motivation comes from? Um, You could tell me what you think, but here's my particular theory. I often see new homeschoolers, particularly people who have started homeschooling later, like middle school or high school, and they will often say things like, my kids don't want to do anything. They're not motivated. They aren't passionate about anything. It drives me crazy. And my knee-jerk response is always to think, the reason they aren't motivated is you have micromanaged every single minute of their lives so far. Parents and teachers have filled every minute of their kids' day with all these structured activities and busy work and group athletics and, 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 and the list just goes on and on. Parents and teachers are there poking and nagging them to do all these things, to go there and hurry, hurry, hurry on to the next thing. I think doing nothing or being unmotivated is the easiest way that they can get some control back over their lives. I think it's a passive aggressive behavior. Most every homeschool kid I know has had plenty of time to be bored. And then they figure out something to do because the last three times they complained about being bored, their mom or their dad gave them a job like pulling weeds, doing the laundry or running the vacuum cleaner. (laughs) I think motivation is best when it is self-motivation. And since we established that our kids and other homeschool kids have such a sense of self, the next step to self-motivation, I mean, it just seems like a natural. So have I motivated you to discuss motivation in homeschool kids? (laughs) You bet. But I think you're onto something there. You got to be bored. That definitely motivates you. As I mentioned, September is neurodivergent. She just has this different way of thinking and processing. Honestly, it's intriguing and fascinating. And one of my very favorite things about her She has no end of ideas and plans and goals, but executive functioning can sometimes be a challenge, you know, putting all the steps together, planning, following through. Now, I can walk that path with her, but I cannot walk it for her. So it really has forced some growth. It's motivated us to grow me knowing when to step back and her knowing when to ask for help. I know you and I have talked about this before, about how motivating a young child looks way different from motivating an older teen. Oh, does it ever? I mean, sticker charts are amazing for younger kids. We've all used them. I mean, whether our kids are neurotypical or neurodivergent. Here's the goal. Here's the stickers. Let's fill up that row. In that sense, though, I really feel like I was more facilitating and kind of cheerleading the motivational momentum. We accomplished goals, absolutely. And the promise of a reward is a lovely motivation to anyone who doesn't like a paycheck. But I always knew that at some point that motivational momentum was going to have to come from inside her. You know, paychecks have motivated me to do completely unpleasant tasks. Do you think the sticker chart and the cheerleading have gotten you to that point? I do. That practice, you know, that knowledge of knowing what it looks like to set a goal and achieve it, those have all been such valuable experiences that she has internalized over the years. So she's really grown into this sense of herself as a teenager who only has two years of high school left. And then, you know, we're going to unleash her on the world, (laughs) release the Kraken. She is motivated to manage her schedule. She has been motivated lately to learn to cook and to parallel park because knowing that those are things that she will need to do to live on her own is a powerful motivation. She is motivated to understand personal finance and study and meet college entrance requirements. Um, it's just crazy the things that she's like, mom, we need to do this and this and this. She completely planned our January trip to New York, and she has taken charge of this Route 66 trip that's coming up. She is so motivated to push herself to do more. 
And honestly, that gives us both some breathing space. I don't have to feel like a nag. And she has the time and space to plan and execute tasks and organize things in the ways that make the most sense for her. Which was the goal all along. Exactly. I mean, little kids just aren't naturally motivated sometimes. But I think some of that motivation has come from maturing. Some of it has come from having space to get to that point on her own. I also, though, think sometimes outside instructors, especially kind of in the homeschool world, they can help our kids grow their motivational muscle in a way that we can't. Let's face it. September calls me this weird hybrid of a mom teacher friend. And it's true. That's what we all call me Lorelai Gilmore. But the motivational train can stall on the track sometimes in that in that circumstance. But she took part in an extra music class this past semester with her fabulous choir instructor. And the parents were invited to the last class to see the work of the kids. And one parent, while we were there, kind of really voiced exactly what I'd been thinking during the eight weeks of the class. She said, I think having to do the work for someone else motivated my kids to stretch beyond their comfort level and probably definitely more than if I'd asked them to do that kind of work at home. Well, motivation comes from, you know, myriad number of places. Sometimes, I mean, even things like a growing interest in attracting a boyfriend or girlfriend can motivate a kid to up their game as far as personal hygiene is concerned. And that is perfectly okay. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yes, definitely. So to sum up, I think homeschool kids have as much motivation and they get it from the same places as any other kid does. It's a combination of internal and external influences and experience. And ultimately, it's something everyone has to come to on their own. So now I'm motivated to ask listeners, what do you think about these essay topics? Do you see your kids exercising their sense of self? Do you see them flexing their motivational muscle? Let us know. Let's keep debunking these myths about homeschooling. So hop onto Facebook and Instagram and continue the conversation. Our handle is OnlySchoolers in both places. And if email is your thing, send us a line at OnlySchoolers at gmail.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, please consider supporting us financially. There are monthly expenses associated with keeping everything up and running and ready for you guys to listen to. So throw a tip in our tip jar at OnlySchoolers.com, pick up some of our OnlySchoolers activities and tea times at Etsy, and for heaven's sakes, buy our book when it hits the shelves on the 19th. Thank you so much for listening today. Our last episode before spring break is another topic from the grab bag, and it is our very favorite thing to talk about. Here's a hint. It's kind of become an only schooler slogan. Have we motivated you to guess what we'll be talking about? Meet us back here in two weeks to see if you're right. We will see you then.